Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to the book of Luke right now. Luke chapter number 14. Uh, And then once you get there, Luke chapter number 14, I'm going to read two verses from there. But I want you to put a bookmark when you get there. Luke chapter number 14. If you can, put a bookmark there because we're going to come back to that. I'm not going to start off with that just yet, but I'll get to that. But go to Luke chapter 14. Put a bookmark there if you have one. And then go to Ephesians right now. Ephesians chapter number 6. So go ahead and put a bookmark in Luke chapter number 14. And then go ahead and go to Ephesians chapter number 6 where we'll start off our reading of Scripture. And then we'll go to Luke and then we'll uh, we'll go into what I believe God has for us here tonight. So um, I'm I'm thankful to have that opportunity once again to be able to uh, open up the Word of God for you guys. And um, it's a huge responsibility and especially this topic here. And uh, Lord knows if, if you've ever studied a topic like this, I, I promise you I'm not going to do it justice tonight, <laughs> um, but I, I invited you guys to talk tonight. I'm going to be talking just a little bit, honestly not much, into uh, uh, about demons and, and the devil himself, and I, I'm just going to make it a little bit more informative and maybe uh, tell you a couple things that I've just been learning in my own study. This is just really what it is. Um, you know, I, I've been teaching through the book of Revelation, and then I've been teaching through the book of Genesis. And the devil is brought up in both books. You see him in the beginning of Genesis. You see him near the end of Revelation, which uh, we'll, we could turn to a verse there here in just a few moments. And then uh, it's just interesting. I, I had a lot of, uh, of the students uh, that really just kind of started this all who started asking me questions about the devil, questions about demons, questions about really angels. Um, and in Bible doctrines in 10th grade, I, I talk about angelology, and that it's, it's, a, it's a big subject. And it's interesting, too, as pastor, when you brought up the book of Daniel recently, you talked about the two angels uh, when Daniel was praying, and, and uh, one of the angels was hindered, but then Michael the archangel came. There's, there's a lot of interesting stuff there, and all of this kind of just kind of sparks some interest. You know, I, I want to look a little bit more into this, and so tonight uh, we'll be brief, but I just want to share just a couple of things. Trust me. Just a couple of things tonight uh, of just kind of some study and things that I learned, but I hope it'll be a blessing and uh, it'll be informative and very practical. Um, but I also want to make it, um, like I said, that there's an application here at the end that I, I believe every single one of us need to apply to our lives. So if you look with me at Ephesians chapter number six right now, Ephesians chapter number six, look with me at verse number 10. If you have your Bibles there, say amen. 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 All right. Ephesians chapter number six, verse number 10, the Bible says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong, specifically in the Lord, not in yourselves. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Not your might, not my might, but His might. Put on the whole armor of God, not my armor, God's armor, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, if you have your bookmark, go go back right now to the book of Luke chapter number 14. We just read Ephesians chapter number 6 there. Very familiar portion of scripture, I'm I'm sure, to many of you who've uh, studied the Bible here. Ephesians chapter number 6, but now we're going to read Luke chapter number 14. Look at me at verse number 31, Luke chapter 14 and verse number 31. The Bible says this, Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? 
or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth then really an ambassador, is what that would be, and desireth conditions of peace. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you once again for the opportunity just to speak here tonight, Lord. And uh, you know what uh, you've put on my heart here, Lord, and, and just the studies and different things, Lord. And uh, you've just really put this into perspective for me. And uh, Father, I just pray that you'd give me clarity here tonight. Help me to speak uh, your words. I pray that you'd give me the words to speak, Lord. I pray that you'd prick my heart and put things on my mind. And Lord, I pray that by the time this church leaves tonight, including myself, we would just look at this topic here a little bit differently and honestly, that would challenge us, Lord. It, it would uh, challenge us to be uh, more ready for the day-to-day battles that we face, Lord. And uh, we know we're in a spiritual warfare, and I pray that you just use me here tonight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, well, tonight I, I, I want to talk about this subject a little bit, and I'll bring up de- the demons and the devil. Uh, but it's nothing new to you. As I just read from Ephesians chapter number 6 right now, it's nothing new to anybody, I'm sure, that you've heard, uh, we are in a spiritual war. And if, for those of you, I guess, who have not heard that, I'm telling you right now, we are in a spiritual war. And when I mean we, I mean the Christians specifically. And I guess you can say unbelievers, but they're not really in the war. At least they're not fighting the war like we Christians are. And that's nothing new to you. You've realized that we've been in a war for a while. And when we look at Luke chapter, chapter number 14, you know, this was just brought in my heart because, you know, we're, we're in a war. And I, and I started thinking, you know, when, when, when a general has a war or when there are two nations at war with one another, uh, they tend to strategize. They tend to plan. They tend to map things out. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not a huge history guy, um, but I know some history battles and I know some of the things that have taken place. And I've heard of amazing wins all because of strategy, all because of sitting down and like what this king would do in Luke chapter number 14, consulting. Now, consulting means to get advice from an expert. That's what it simply means, to get, an, get advice from an expert. And so this king would be getting advice from experts or other friendlies around him and getting an idea. And of course, in this passage, Luke chapter number 14, what this king would do when he was in a war, because this is relating to us Christians as we're in a war, what this king would do is he would sit down with other consultants, and he'd start asking advice. Okay, men, we have, how many men, let's get a census. How many men, how many soldiers do we have from maybe ages 20 up that can fight in this battle? 10,000. And then we have this enemy, the king, he has 20,000. And so what the king would be doing is that he'd be thinking soberly, he'd be considering the odds of going to war before he went to war. And in Luke chapter number 14, honestly, it's the cost of discipleship. It's to every Christian that be, as you get saved, and many of us, we want to make commitments to God. And we want to say, look, God, I think you've called me to do this. God, this is what you want me to do. I'm going to follow you here. I'm going to follow you there. And just like how any normal king would do, every Christian, honestly, needs to sit down and consult an expert before you make a commitment to God. Just like a king would. We got to take note of this war that we're in because every Christian, if you've been born again in this room, you've been drafted into the army of God. There's many verses in the Bible, like in 2 Timothy, that talks about how we are soldiers. We are soldiers for God, and so we get drafted into this battle. Now, in this battle, and like I said, as this king would do, is he would sit down, he'd start consulting, and he would start considering what are the odds of us winning this war? What are the odds? That's what he would do. And, you know, I started thinking about that, and you start thinking about this spiritual war that we're in right now. 
And I'm going to ask you a question, and I know everyone knows the answer to this question, but what are the odds that we, we Christians win this spiritual war that we're in? What are the odds? And I think everyone knows the answer to that. We've already won. And we praise the Lord for that. In the book of Revelation, we win. We know the answer to that. But it's not a bad thing to sit down and consult and just take a look at the enemy. You know, I think about uh, the book of Numbers. I think about when uh, God had commanded Moses to go get some spies from every tribe of Israel and to go search out the land there of Canaan and to see whether it was flowing with milk and honey to see if they can really take it. And we'll get to that portion. And, and you know, these guys, they're, they're planning from God, gave them the message, go take the land that I want you to take. And so we had these 10 spies. What did they do? They went and they brought back a report. And what was that report for? Is because they're going to determine what are the odds of us as the Israelites taking over Canaan. And you, and you, ask, yourself, you ask yourself the question, what are the odds as Christians that we are going to win this spiritual war that we're in right now? And I, I just want to let you know, we got to get advice from an expert on this. And the expert is God. We're going to get advice from the Word of God on this. And what I really want to do tonight is I just want to share with you a couple of things about the enemy. It's a good thing to know your enemy, by the way. It's a good thing you know, to know about how he works so that you're not deceived and you fall into this thing. So what I simply want to do tonight is I just want to share with you a couple of things I learned uh, about the devil and the demons and the, and the fight that we have with them tonight. So as you look about this, I want to start off with this. Uh, the, and this website I found called YouGov America. Here are some statistics about America dealing with demons. Well, about 20% of Americans right now believe that demons definitely exist. 20% of Americans will say, I definitely believe that demons actually exist. And we're taking a look at our enemy right now, and we'll get more into that here in just a second. While about 25% of Americans believe that demons probably exist. About 36% of Americans have expressed that they have personally felt the presence of a spirit. Now, we're not talking about angels yet. And these people that are, that are answering these questions are not necessarily referring to fallen angels any, either way. But they're saying about 36% of Americans have expressed that they have personally felt the presence of a spirit. And these things are just chilling. I mean, when I, when, when I was studying this uh, and, and I was reading these things at nighttime, and do this in the daytime. Don't study about the devil and demons at nighttime, really. It's just, it's just chilling, okay? Uh, but I encourage you, by the way, let me just say this before I move on. I encourage you, go and study this. Get, get to know how to win this war against the enemy here, okay? 13% uh, of Americans claim to have communicated directly with this spirit of someone who has died. 13% uh, of Americans that live right here in the United States of America have claimed to talk with someone or some sort of spirit that has died. And I don't know if y'all remember uh, Ron Comfort, um, who had just came recently, and, and I don't know if you remember that he said recently one of the fastest growing religions right now is Wicca. Um, I don't know if you remember him talking about that, and he deals a lot with witchcraft. And there's a lot of people getting into something like this right now. There's a lot of people. I mean, uh, it, I, it's, it's terrible. You can find on YouTube, students will go search up, and you can literally find seances on YouTube and watch these things and how to, how to have a seance. And a seance is a meeting where someone will try to contact a dead person. They will try to contact a, a, 
Someone was passed on. I'm mean, just being honest. It was recently, uh, several years ago. Many of you know a famous basketball player named Kobe Bryant passed away. And on YouTube, you can find a man who has what we call a spirit box, and he says he's communicating with Kobe Bryant from the dead. That's what he thinks. But the 13% of people who have claimed that they commuted directly with the spirit of someone who has died, 45% of Americans express a belief in ghosts. This is mind-blowing here tonight because I, I, I'm, I'm amazed that when you look at these statistics, you know, a lot of America believes in spirits and demons or whatever it is, but the very same people who believe in these spirits and, and talk, it's, they believe in ghosts, they don't even believe in God. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, how can you believe in all these spirits and not believe in God? And so you know that these statistics, they're not referring, I'm sure, to what you and I would know as fallen angels. Because I promise you, when someone's dead, they're dead. Whether you're trying to communicate from them, from heaven or from hell, whatever the case is. And we know, that's what I'm going to tell you, that the fallen angels are very deceptive. Very deceptive in what they do. Now I'm here to tell you tonight that the devil is real. And I'm just telling you, and I know once again this might not be something new to you, but the devil and his demons are real. They're very real. There's no question to their existence. As a matter of fact, when you find in the Old Testament, there's about 165 times that angels are referred to in the Old Testament. I believe in the New Testament, there's 185 times where the Bible refers to angels or some sort of spirit in that aspect. And never, never has it ever mentioned, whenever an angel is brought forth or seen in Scripture, has it ever been someone's figure of figment of imagination. It's never been an illusion. It's never been something in the Scripture that you find that demons and the devil and all that's just is something we sum up in our mind. It's, it's the opposite of God, and there's bad in this world, and we call him the devil. That's not what it is. The devil is real. The demons are real. And we see them hundreds of times throughout the scriptures. Now, when we think about the fallen demons specifically, you can turn to Revelation chapter number 12. And the Bible says in Revelation 12, verses 7 and down, that there was a war in heaven. And, and, and I know there's, in my personal study with this, there's been different aspects and different outcomes of when this war took place. But honestly, I mean, it's past, present, and future when he said this out. But the Bible says that a dragon made war with God. And the Bible says Michael, who's the archangel, fought against this dragon. His angels, which are the good angels, against the great red dragon, which is the devil and his angels. And the Bible says that the devil and his fallen angels, they prevailed not. They couldn't win this war. And the Bible says in Revelation 12, verses 7 and down there, that there wasn't any place found in heaven for them anymore. But there's very real people, very real creations. And I'll get to that here in a second. And then the Bible says that they were cast to earth at the time. And you know what's scary? Why don't, why don't you turn there right now so you can see this. Go to Revelation chapter number 12. This is eerie when I read this here. Revelation uh, chapter number 12. And look at me at verse number 12. Revelation chapter number 12 and verse number 12. This is a conclusion of the war that I just let you know about. You have Michael the archangel, you have the devil, and they fought. But the devil couldn't prevail. Okay, God wins every time. And the Bible says here in Revelation chapter 12, verse number 12, it says, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and ye that dwell in them. And then look at this. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. 
That's you and me. We're living on this earth right now. And the Bible says that God wrote, Woe unto you, those of you who live on this planet, on this earth. Why? For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. And so we see here the reality of these angels. And uh, the Bible says here that this war broke out between the devil and Michael. And, and the Bible says that the devil lost. And because of that, there's no place found in heaven. He was cast down. And now guess where he's at? He's with us. Presently, a very real creature, creation. And this is what the Bible says. He's not a figure of imagination. He's not something that we're making up as the opposite of God. He's the embodiment of evil in a sense. He's a very real creature. And so what I, the next uh, couple of points I just want to bring out here is I just want to describe to you as we sit down as kings would and consider this war, I just thought about some things that maybe uh, a king would consider when you're going into war. And here's number one what I want us to consider when we think about the devil and the demons. I want us to consider their strength. I want us to consider the devil and the demons and their strength. Will you turn to Mark chapter number five with me? Mark chapter number five in your Bibles. I want us to consider the strength of the devil and his demons. Go to Mark chapter number 5. And honestly, what we're about to read here doesn't do, I'm sure, justice of the full power that demons and the devil has. But here's just an example of maybe someone who is possessed by a devil, because devil possession still occurs today, even though you might not see it as much. People, unbelievers specifically, can still get possessed by devil. But in Mark chapter number 5, I want you to see the strength of a demon here. Look at Mark chapter number 5 and verse number 1. It says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of Gadenaris. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man, nobody could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, which is crazy to think about. But you see this here, that here's just a man, an embodiment of spirit, not the spirit itself, but the embodiment of the spirit. And the Bible says that they, the men, all the men at the time, uh, try to bind him with chains. And I like the word that the Bible uses here, the word pluck, as if the devils, whoever was possessing the man at the time, just plucked the chains off, thinking like, that's nothing. Um, I'm sure, I, I mean, I've been in handcuffs. I know, little, not real handcuffs, okay, I haven't been arrested, okay? But I've been in, you know, those, you know, kind of play handcuffs, because I know kids like to, oh, look at, let me put it, okay, go ahead. And, and those are plastic, and I even struggle with those, like, these are pretty well made. I mean, maybe you really could arrest somebody with those things. And I'm thinking then, those chains are, uh, those, those handcuffs, even though they're plastic, whatever, I mean, they're pr pretty have good grip. You know, you can think about this here. The Bible says that they literally tried multiple times to bound this man that was possessed with an unclean spirit. And the Bible says every single time he would just pluck the chains from maybe off the stone wall that they try to carve it into there. Whatever it was, just, oh yeah, like nothing. And the Bible says that, you know what they did? They just let him alone. They couldn't overtake this spirit. In their human strength, there is nothing that they could do to overtake the spirit. In Acts chapter number 19, we find another time where the Bible says that there is uh, uh, men filled with demons and that there was scribes, these Pharisees and people who try to come and, and they try to cast out the demon and they just couldn't do it. Because why? Spirits 
and which we'll get to once again, are created being, beings, they are stronger than you and me. And I'll have a point to this when I get here. But spirits are stronger than you and me. The devil is stronger than you and me. There, there's no question when you think about the Bible that the devil is a, as a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour. Whom he may devour, not who he can, whom he may devour. And we'll get to that. But the devils and, and the demons, I want you to know, they are stronger than you and me. They are stronger. You go against the devil, you go against the demon, of course outside of God's strength, which, once again, we'll get back to, you'll, you'll never win. They are stronger than you and I. I, could, I think about in 2 Samuel chapter uh, number 28, around there, and, and back when David uh, did a census of the people, and he, would have went, he went against God's will. And the Bible says he actually gave them options of punishments to go through, and God sent an angel. Now, I'm not telling you that this is a demonic angel, but God sent an angel that killed around 185,000 people. One angel. And the only reason why this angel stopped is because God told him to. You know what that tells me? That angel didn't even get tired. He killed 185,000 people in his strength, and he got tired. Thinking about all the demons. And by the way, they have ranks. When you study this out, there are ranks. There's leaders, which the devil is in charge, and he has ranks under him. He's a cherubim. As we read in Ezekiel chapter number 28, there are ranks. But you think about these demons, you think about all these things, they have strength. And you and I, if we are ever to go up against them, we'll lose every time. Why? Because they are stronger than us. I think about not only their strength, but I think about their number. And this is what I'm thinking about. When I consider war, I said, well, how strong are they? And I'll bring this back here. Well, how many are there? We know the Bible never makes it very clear about, hey, there's this amount of uh, angels that were created. The Bible never says just this amount. We just know there's hundreds and thousands and thousands upon thousands. But the Bible does say in Revelation 12, earlier in that passage, that the tail of the dragon, referred to the devil, the old serpent, drew down a third of the stars with him, referring to those fallen angels. And so we know that there's hundreds and thousands and thousands of these very strong creations, created beings. There's hundreds and thousands of them. And this is what I want to talk about here too, very much, is number three. Not only do we see their strength, not only do we see the number, but we also see their experience. And this is mind-blowing to me. But we also see their experience in Job. Job chapter number 28 as well. We see how that the Bible makes it very clear that the angels were present when God created the earth. The angels were present when God created the earth. And they were created like you and I, eternal beings. That Man has a soul. You are going to live forever somewhere, whether it's in heaven or in hell. And angels, when they were created, they were also created eternal beings. The Bible says in the New Testament that they literally cannot die. Angels cannot die. You cannot kill an angel. And so think about this. You think about their experience and their intelligence. This is, this is one that, that just really gets me here. When God created the heaven and the earth, when he created man, the beast, the fowl of the air, we know that the serpent came, the most subtle beast of the field, he came and he tempted man. And we know from that moment very clearly the devil has been around since the very beginning of time, since the earth was created, since the earth was created. We know that he's been around. That would include the fallen angels that he drug out with them. Now think about this, okay? We're not evolutionists here. We don't believe the earth has been around for millions of years. We don't believe that. We believe the earth is around 6,000 years old, a young earth. 
We don't believe in evolution and what they teach, and it's everywhere, but we believe in a young earth. But think about this, and I started putting this all together here, and you think about how the Bible makes it clear in prophecy that, that evil men, evil people, and seducers, they're going to wax worse and worse and worse and worse over time. You know, think about when God first created Adam and Eve and how time was just great, but then the serpent came, he tempted them, and then they fell. And then the Bible says that in Genesis chapter number 5 that Adam was uh, having children that was born in his image without the soul dead to God, no relationship with him that needed to be restored, which is why Christ came and died. And you think about how from that moment, sin started becoming rampant. Because they were producing, conceiving children in sin and sin and sin going the wrong way. Eventually, we come to Genesis, and we find that the Bible says in Genesis chapter number 6, that God looked down on the world that he created, and he says, man's thoughts are only evil continually. Continually. You know what God had to do? He destroyed the world and spared Noah and his family, and they started over. They literally started over. I mean, when I say literally, they started over. Man began to sin again and again and again. But this time, God made a promise. He said, I'm going to send a bow in the cloud, and I'm going to make you a promise that when you see this bow, I'm not going to flood the earth again. I'm not going to do it. But I think about that time when they came out the ark and how all of, it's amazing to think about, all of man was in a relationship with God at the time. All of man knew God, at least, and his existence. And from that moment on, what, what was it again? Conceiving in sin, conceiving in sin, that we find David saying in Psalm 51, I was conceived in sin, conceived in sin. Kids, kids, and as time went on, we're back to square one. Evil, rampant, sin, rampant. And I started considering that, and I'm thinking, why is that? And then why is it that the Bible says that as time goes on, men are just going to get worse and worse and worse? And I started studying this and considering this, and I thought, you know what, I, when I think about the devil, I think about the demons and how they've been around since literally the beginning of the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell. And guess what? Ever since then, they've been watching man. Think about this. Ever since the devil was in the beginning there and, and tempting Adam and Eve for, get this, 6,000 years, the devil and the demons have been watching man. Think about that. For 6,000 years, the devil and the demons have been watching man. You say, why is that a big deal? No wonder why Mr. Carpenter would get up here and tell us how pornography and sexual sins are so rampant today. Because I can imagine that throughout the 6,000 years of time going on, the devils had their tactics, they had experience, and they found out what works and what didn't work. And they kept finding out, wow, look, man falls in here. Man falls over. They've had 6,000 years of experience. They know what they're doing. They're very intelligent beings. They're persons. They have intelligence. They have wills. They have these desires. They're, they're demons and, and they're fallen angels, but they've been around for that long just watching man fail. It's no wonder why that man keeps getting worse and worse and worse because the devils keep finding out what works better and better and better every year because they've been doing this for thousands of years. They have experience. I think about us, and I remember studying, I'm thinking, that's, that's crazy because I think about me, um, and I, I hate even saying my age because uh, I think I'm old now, and I know you disagree, but I think I'm old. I'm, I'm, I'm turning, I'm 29. Look, I don't even know what age I am. Anymore. That's how you know I'm old. I believe I'm turning 30 next September. I believe I am. Uh, that may be correct. <laughs> yes, 30. I'm turning 30, okay? Next, I have, 
about 30 years. Well, I was saved when I was 15 years old. And so I've, I've been saved for nearly 15 years. Let's see, 15 years of salvation compared to 6,000 years. You see this? I've been saved for 15 years compared to the demons who have been doing this for over 6,000 years. They have experience. They have intelligence. And when you study the rankings, you know, God, uh, uh, he says, do everything decently and in order. God is organized. God has angels and he has a specific task for them. And I think about that, and I think about the devil. The devil's organized. The demons are organized. They've been doing this for 6,000 years. I, I don't believe for one bit that everything we see going around us is just randomness, that the devils and, and the demons are lucky. Man, oh, I didn't think that one was going to work. Well, they fell in that one. Woo, good for me. I didn't think they would. No, they've known. They've been doing this. isn't random. The devil and the demons and the work that they do in this world isn't random. They have a specific purpose. They know exactly what they're doing. They're organized in their work. They've been doing this for 6,000 years. They have strength. They have numbers. They have experience. And they have desires. And the question is, what is the desire of the fallen angels? What is the, the, the desire of the devil? And the way I said this is that I believe the devil is just having a pity party. I really do. He lost against God. And the Bible says in Revelation 12, we saw there, he's upset. He's upset that he couldn't take God's throne because that's what he wanted. He wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to set his throne above, and he lost, and he couldn't do it. And so now he's having a pity party, and he's taking out all of his anger on you and I. You know, what's interesting to think is that these demons, these angels, they have wills like you have wills. They're, and this is my point I'm trying to get across is that they're real persons like you and I are, are real persons. We have, we, we have emotion. We have intellect. We have will. So do the devil. The devil and the demons, they have emotion, intellect, and will. And I can take time, but for time's sake, I, I won't. But that's why I'm saying there's so much that goes into this. But they have desires. Go to Luke chapter number 22 right now. Luke chapter number 22, and I'll bring it to a close here real soon. Go to Luke chapter number 22. I want you to see the desire here. I can assure you that if this is the devil's desire, this is probably the same desire of the demons as well. Luke chapter number 22, and I want you to look with me at verse number 31. Luke chapter number 22, verse 31. This is Jesus speaking to Simon. Luke chapter number 22. And this is one of those things as well that, man, you read this, it gives you goosebumps. At least it does to me. Luke chapter number 22. And look at me at verse number 31. It says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan, an angel, a created being, who's a person. He has intellect, emotion, and will. Look at what his will is. What is... What do the angels want from us right now? What, what do these demons want? Well, look at what Satan wants. He has a desire. The Bible says, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Isn't that just eerie? That just gives me goosebumps. Because I can, I can tell you the same thing right now. Church, individually, did you know that Satan wants you? He desires every one of us in this room. Guess who also desires us? The demons. They want us, church. Didn't that give you goosebumps? The devil wants you. For what? I, I can tell you right now, he has no good intentions. You can read John chapter number 9. He's come to steal, to kill, to destroy. He's not the good shepherd that John chapter number 10 describes. Jesus is that good shepherd. The devil has absolutely no good intentions for any one of us in this room. And he wants us. So the Bible says that he can sift us as we... You say, why? Why not go for unbelievers, by the way? Why go for people like us who are believers? Listen to me, church. You and I, 
are a threat in this war. We are a threat in this war. To who? The devil. Can you imagine a sold-out Christian, how much intimidation that brings to the devil? You say, well, the devil doesn't get scared. Really? He has emotions, just like you have emotions. Isn't that crazy to think about? Go to James chapter number 2. Look at this. Go to James chapter number 2. Look at the emotions that these demons have. James chapter number 2. I want you to look at me at verse number 19. James chapter number 2. Verse number 19. And we're almost done here. James chapter number 2 and verse number 19. And the Bible says this. Thou believest that there is one God? You do well. The devils also believe. You know that the demons are monotheistic? You know the demons believe in one God? We have a world that believes in uh, polytheistic many gods, but the devils and the demons, they believe that there is one God. It's amazing to think about. But the Bible says here, the devils also believe, and what are the next two words? And what? Tremble. I remember reading this for the first time. I mean, I don't know about you, church, but I remember when I was reading this, like, the devils tremble? You're talking about an angel that can kill 185,000 people can get scared of something? You're talking about a demon who nobody can tame, nobody can bound up and change. You're telling me someone like that experiences fear? Yeah. Of who specifically? Of God. And this is a big deal. This is a huge deal. This is the last passage I want you to turn to. Go to Numbers right now. Numbers. Last passage I'll have you turn to. Go to the book of Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, and we'll be done here. Numbers chapter 13, the last one. I brought up the story because I, I, I told you guys earlier about how God told Moses, hey, take a, one man out of every tribe, send out 12 spies to Canaan and, and see. And what we saw tonight, look, I, I just wanted to show you the, the strength that the demons have. And like I said, in the amount of time, I can't do this justice. And I encourage you, like those in Thessalonica, go search the scriptures. Go read this for yourself and, and go study the enemy. And, and I'll, get, I'll bring it home here in a second. But the demons, they have strength, they have number, they have experience, and they have desire. And what is their goal? To sift us as weak, church. That's what they want from us. Now, I, th I thought about all this, and I thought about the king who sits down, and he consults, and he thinks about this war. And I think about us, and I think about the spiritual war that we're in, according to Ephesians chapter number 6. And I did the same thing, and I'm thinking, let me, what are the odds? I think about me, because we look at the opposite. I'm very frail and weak, okay? I know you don't notice, because I'm very buff. You can see that here on the stage. But I am, and as a matter of fact, I'm very weak, okay? Uh, I... I I don't even know when the last time I bench pressed something was. I'm just, I'm very weak. And I look about my strength and the strength of angel, I lose. I look about the number. I think about me, church. I think about how I remember a while back how this is, I know it may sound discouraging, but we're always going to be few in number. We will never outnumber the unbelievers in this world. Read Matthew chapter number 7. Many there be that go into the wide gate that leads to death and destruction, hell, but few there be that find that narrow path. Few and many. We're always going to be outnumbered, church. There's always going to be more unbelievers than there are of believers. And I think about the number of these angels, the strength of these angels. I think about the 6,000 years of experience they have. And I think about the 15 years of experience I have. I think about their goal for me, that eeriness. And I think, just like how these guys might think here for a second. Look at Numbers chapter 13. And look at me at verse number 27. 
And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And I'll come back to that, verse 31. But the men that went up with them said, We be not able to go against such a people, for they are stronger than we. They brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. You know what these Israelites did, these spies, the ten spies? They came back from consulting as a king would. They looked at their men. They looked at the Canaanites' men. They looked at everything, and, they, and you know what they determined? We're grasshoppers. Let's stay here where we're safe. And I just cannot help, but when I think about demons and angels, we're grasshoppers. Look at how strong they are. Look at how they can overcome us. Look at their numbers. Look at their strength. Look at their intelligence, their experience. And like I said, there's a lot more scripture we can go into, but for time's sake, I just couldn't. And, and any, any normal person would look up and would say, how are we going to win this war? How in the world? We sit down. We only have 10,000. There's 20,000 of them. And you know, sometimes we could get discouraged and think, and we've lost this. Let our teenagers go. Let this world go. We'll never win this war. Just like how these guys did. But there's two people, Caleb and Joshua. I said, guys, What's stopping us? Okay, let's, who cares? Strong people, strong angels. Strong, let's go take it. Why? What made the difference is God. You can find this in the book of Jude, that Michael and the devil were contending over the body of Moses. And the Bible says that Michael, who's the archangel, very powerful angel, he could not overcome the devil. So you know what even Michael the archangel had to do? He rebuked him in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, church, all you need is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We've already won this war. Sure, they're strong. Sure, they're great in number. Sure, they're intelligent. They have 6,000 years experience. But against God, they're nothing. They tremble before God. You and I, we tremble before demons. We think they're powerful, but they tremble themselves. Doesn't the Bible say if God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. That includes the demons, and the fallen angels. But here's, here's what I just want to leave you with here tonight, church, is I think about this, and this is convicting because I think, you know what? Every single day, these demons have a plan. They don't get tired, by the way. And I was telling uh, on a devotion on, on last Monday, that frustrates me because I get tired. There's a lot of times I get tired physically, I'm frail. But every time I get tired and let up, the devil and the demons don't. You know that when you stop, the devil and the demons don't. If you are not growing spiritually, they like that. And I can promise you that if you and I are not making progress in this world, they are making progress. There is not any time to slip up because we have a powerful enemy. But I'm telling you, 
if God is for us, who can be against us? They are organized. Church, we need to get organized as an army would. We need to have a plan every day. And I'll finish with this verse in Proverbs 29, how the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And think about this. You think about Israel, sin, 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 because you got all these rulers of darkness and principalities coming and, and destroying these people. All this sin. And then the Bible says that God would always raise up a judge or a prophet. And when that word vision there, it literally means an inspired message from God. And you know why this world has continued to go and why Christians are still getting saved? Because God has used one person to give somebody else an inspired message from God. And I can tell you right now, the sword of the Spirit, if you read the armor of God, we have the inspired word of God right here. And as long as if we keep going by this word of God, we'll keep winning battles. Keep praying for that soul. Keep witnessing to the soul. That devil is nothing compared to God. The, de the demons are nothing compared to this word. This is our offense. We need to get an inspired message from God daily because when we don't give it, well, then evil becomes worse and worse and worse. Where's the light at? We're the body of believers that are a city that's set on a hill that we need to keep talking to this world and save them from the corruptness of these demons. Let's pray.